The Game Schooler Podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that educates new and experienced gamers about the joys of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Ice Cool, our game of the week, discuss what's more important, gamer credibility or sales in the school of gaming, and wrap it up with our high five fanciest games. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, the esteemed and handsome Dr. Michael McCabe. Whoa, Doug, easy there. I'm not used to hearing that, not even from my own mother. How are things, man? I uh, can't complain. Yeah. Loving life, playing games, what's not to yeah, enjoy? Life is good. Life is good. All right, so tell me what, you got any follow-up from last week? Well, I'm happy that we gave away a game. I, I got to tell you, when we've done that a half dozen times, right, where we give away a game to a listener, to someone on our Discord, and anytime we do that, that does bring me joy, just knowing that somebody is opening up a box and they got a free game. Um, so that that's the only follow-up. We gave away a copy of Fire Tower, which was our game of the week last week, to Sean S., uh, active member of our Discord network. So just excited about that. Great segue to talk about the Discord server. It's a great little community that we're starting over there. And um, really enjoyed the conversations. If you need a game recommendation, you got a question about a, a game that you played or a different way, how you can um, uh, present a game in a classroom, go through rules easier. You know, we have people talking about family games, gamer games, you know, rebuttaling some of our high fives. So it's a great little community going on. I'd say enhancing. There you go. Adding to it. Telling us why Michael's choices are always wrong. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's uh, at gameschooler.com slash discord. You can sign up there. Um, It's a great community. We'd be happy to have you on board. And uh, it's a place where we talk about what's awesome in gaming, try to avoid the negativity that's out there. Uh, One of the things that has been awesome in gaming for me is I recently picked up a copy of Archeos Society. Oh. Which is a re-theme and kind of a reprinting of Ethnos, which is a game that I enjoyed. And we're going to be talking about this in a couple of future episodes of games that we think should be reprinted or games that we think should be rethemed. Uh, a couple of high fives we've got coming up. But I'm, I love that. That's one of the things that's awesome about a hobby where Ethnos was a game that I liked, but I never really liked the theme. I never really cared that much for the artwork. And here's a version of a game that I like now with a theme that I like and artwork that I like and a few tweaks to gameplay that I think make it better. And it's not too often that you get that. I think about like video games and sometimes or um, where it's like, I want that game, but just make the graphics better. Sure. And so many times those are caught up in licensing and different things that don't get made every once in a while they do. But I really like that about this hobby. Um, I got the Castles of Burgundy Special Edition, and another game that it's like, I really like this game, and I think the art is terrible and bland and boring, <laughs> and this new version is bright and beautiful and everything that I wish the game originally was. So it's I just think that's kind of a cool concept that things come back in print and are updated. And You like the enhancements. Yeah, yeah. well, just yeah. it's like things just don't sit and stay. 
Yeah. Um, no, no. Always moving. So, and, and let's put it this way. Even though Hollywood does the same type of thing, I feel like gaming, the track record in gaming is way better than a Hollywood remake of an old movie or, you know, all the things is like trying to make what's old new again. We're going to, we're going to do this TV show again. It's like, they're never as good as the original. I feel like it's almost the exact opposite in gaming where there's only a handful of times that I can think of where it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't need the new version. Sure. But most of the time I'm like, my jaw's on the floor and I'm like, I want that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the, the lady in Napoleon Dynamite that wants the Tupperware. Like, I want that type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, I think that's cool about this hobby. How no, about that's you? What's, good. what's well, awesome I, I for just you? daydreamed a little bit. I was thinking about a recent argument I had with my mom where A Star is Born, Lady Gaga is so much better than Barbara Streisand. So yeah. that's where you took me on, on that tangent. Uh, but what's awesome for me this week, Doug, I've got a review. And all right. We've done very few reviews on the show. I reached out to All Play uh, because I am interested in what that company is doing, company formerly known as Board Games Tables. And I shamelessly said, send me some review copies. I'll talk about them on the podcast when they fit, but I want to know if they're going to fit for my middle school board game club. Uh, just trying to uh, diversify my collection a little bit, but see what, what could work and might not work. And so they sent a handful of games. And the game that I'm going to talk about today is Pollen by the good doctor Reiner Knizia. Ah, uh, now it all makes sense. So I just <laughs> want to be clear. <laughs> yeah, I reached out to get a free copy of Pollen um, that this was a review copy. but And so I'm going to treat it a little bit differently then we would treat a game. Typically, if we're talking about a game on our show, what does that tell our listeners? That we like the game. That we absolutely love it. And we're going to talk about the great things about it and not dwell on uh, perceived negatives. Yeah. So for this one, I'm going to talk about also what didn't work for my family. I played mm-hmm. it with my family. Uh, played it with my 7-year-old and 11-year-old on multiple occasions. I watched my 7-year-old teach it to my wife. But let's talk about the game uh, in its entirety. So Pollen is a set collection and area control game with plenty of take that built right into the scoring of the game. And at the start of the game, there's 44 of these pollinator tokens, and they're placed into a beautiful cloth bag. And um, 15 of the tokens have one insect on them, 27 of the tokens have two insects on them, and there are two tokens that have all three insects on them. All right, so what are the insects? You've got butterflies, you've got um, beetles, and which my autocorrect put in as beets on the run sheet, which is not true, and June bugs. So butterflies, bees, sorry, and June bugs. Um, and then each player gets 15 cards. And as with a lot of Reiner games, um, when the game starts off, there's going to be one token in the middle of the table, and each player is going to have five cards, and you're going to play a card down, and then there's a token on deck, and then you're going to play that token somewhere that's on deck. So the cards themselves have these corners that are cut out in half circles and the tokens sit in the corners of the cards. And once an insect is completely surrounded, that pollinates. That's kind of where the theme ties in 
here. And then the card is going to score out. So there's gonna there are these nice little chunky wooden meeples of butterflies, uh, June bugs, and bees. And whichever card has the most icons based on the because I, I always play with pink. This game works very well with colorblind folks like myself. And uh, my kiddos play with like green or orange. So you can look right down and see, okay, who's got the most butterflies on that token that's completely surrounded. You're going to get a butterfly token. So really on your turn, you're playing a card. You're playing the token out into an area. You're getting a new token out of the bag. And the game just keeps moving from there. You're always going to draw up so that you have a fifth card in. I kind of got in a little rant. I'm going to get back to my sheet here um, and just talk about so those three different phases. You're going to plant by playing a card out of your hand. You're going to pollinate, which I talked about when the card's surrounded, which is going to score you out a token, and you're going to get out a next chip out of your bag. So that's kind of the general game play. Um I want to, I'm not used to doing reviews, Doug. This is, this is odd <laughs> just hearing me talk. So I want to talk for a moment about what I really enjoyed about the game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, talk about the pros. The game gets up and running fast. Your cards are handed out. You've got 15 cards. You're going to shuffle them quick. The insects get dumped out and divided into piles. And the game is memorable. After one play, my seven-year-old was able to walk my wife through the game. And my wife is a teacher. She likes to get the rule book. She likes to know it from start to finish before she sits down and play. So that, that to me is a huge pro of the game. You can get it up and running. Simple game flow. Um, and then there's great little tension of the area control. Because as the cards are getting played out, if I am pink and one of my daughters is playing as orange and another daughter is playing as green, I can just quickly scan the, the, the board that is being created each turn and see like, oh my goodness, green is starting to take over in this area of the table. I know that I need to get some pink up there or I'm never going to score out. And, and all those wooden meeples are just going to flow to the green player. And so that... I didn't pick up on that the first time playing, but in repeated plays, that really stood out and my brain grasped it quicker than I did. And that was different from some other Reiner card games. That played out more like Reiner big board games with some of the area control. Um, so those are the, the, the two really highlights, just simple to learn. And I love that tension of the area control and the scoring out. Uh, the drawbacks, all right, the cons. My 11-year-old is a distracted gamer. Doug mentioned it. when He didn't call her out by name. I'm calling her out by name in the dog park episode. But Margaret has some of that middle school brain right now where it's moving in three different directions. You yeah. know, she's singing a song. She's playing two other games. She's playing a video game and playing a board game at the same time while asking what's for dinner. But we did we even have lunch? Like, her brain's moving fast. And when I asked... Uh, my kids, what some of the drawbacks or cons were of the game. She said, you know, it, it can take a little bit longer. It, it does play up to 40 minutes. The side of the box says 40 minutes. Both of our games, one went 25 minutes. I think I clocked the other one at like 37 minutes. And then a two-player game uh, with Eliza got done in about 20 minutes. So it is about 10 to 12 minutes per player, which doesn't sound like a whole lot. But if you're used to playing Reiner Knizia games that get done in 15 to 20 minutes, a 40-minute game feels a lot longer to a kid. 
Uh, so that was one drawback. And then to me, the other drawback, look, I love what All Play is doing. The production quality, best Sobel art with Reiner Knizia design. I'm really glad he sent me a review copy. Yeah, I, I love this game. I'll play this game. This is going to go right into the middle school uh, board game traveling bag here. We're going to play a lot of it. But this one does come in at $40 MSRP. And, you know, I've got Board Game Geek up right now. I'm looking at prices. Amazon today has it for $44. The secondary market on the geek market is about $30. I just think that's a little bit more than because we bring that in when we are reviewing a game before yeah. we take it on air as a game of the week. That's a little bit at a higher price point. I mean, yeah, you got nice art. Yeah, you've got a nice design. Yeah, you've got nice wooden pieces. But that's still a pretty decent chunk of change. I, I don't think I would run out and, and do $44 for this game. Um, and then the the last thing that I, I saved for the last, it has a Kinesia scoring mechanism in it that I love. But Doug, at the end of the game, if you do not have the most of a set, you're eliminated. So when you're playing with four players, mm. There, there's a competitiveness and attention that can be great with adults and game groups that want to complete, compete. There's only three different scoring pieces. So I know I'm either chasing butterflies or June bugs. So if I lost out on them, I'm eliminated. And uh, my 11-year-old picked up on that as well because in, in her three plays of playing this game, she never got to the majority. She was always in second of everything, and I had the most of butterflies, or Eliza had the most of June yeah. bugs. So that, for gamers, I think is great. For game groups and adult gamers, I think it's phenomenal. But I'm going to have a tough time teaching that to middle school kids. Yeah, that that, that that's going to be a challenge. And I, yeah, I'll take it into the board game club. I think it might be a hit. But boy, my wife did not like that. And I explained it to her very clearly in the front end. Just so you know, this has a Kinesia scoring mechanism. And here's what I mean by it. Ties are unfriendly. Ties never count. So when you're scoring out, ties, nobody gets it. And at the end of the game, if you there's it's called elimination. If you don't have the majority of one, you're eliminated. So you're either hoping that nobody has a majority in anything or you're going to be eliminated. So yeah. those are just some of the caveats. Uh, overall, I really like it. My seven-year-old loves it. But here, here's the caveat to the caveat. We're Reiner enthusiasts. I am a part of the Reiner Knizia Enthusiast Discord channel. We have more Reiner Knizia in our house. I've spent more of my income on Reiner Knizia than most humans walking planet Earth. Um, so it, it's a solid little Knizia title. Uh, that's been a hit for for some of the folks in my house more than others, um, and, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to review it and get multiple plays of it. And it's been a fun little one that I think will get some play in the board game club. All right, cool. Do you think the? Um, it sounds like what you're doing every turn is very similar. Do you think that stretches out with like 40 minutes for kind of doing the same thing over and over again? Yeah, that's a great question. Here's where it, it's. If it were on a set game board, it would get boring. But the the shape of the board changes each time a person plants and mm. plays a card out of their hand. So none of my – you brought this up in an offline conversation when I first talked about reviewing this game. And none of my games have repeated out in a similar manner because of how the board is changing. And 
you know, in a game I played very recently where Liza was green, it's like, well, I have to sneak one card over there. But by sneaking one card over there, I'm now in on whatever is going to pollinate over there. So now my attention is split into multiple parts of the board. Because of that attention and tension, I have not gotten bored playing it. Sure. Um, but I could see if I'm only if I'm playing with the same person every time, yeah, we're gonna have similar games. Uh, there's slight modifiers for two player and four player. I don't want to get into all that. Um, if for me, my best experience has been at three players. Um, and and so I haven't had that experience, but I can see how others others would. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks for sharing. That is um, <clears throat> for those of you that that are have been long long time gamers. This is a reimplementation of Samurai the card game. So uh, just kind of put that out there in case you're familiar with that game. Yeah, um, that would be maybe a touch. Touch and, point for you. And we don't review a ton of games. I don't want to review a ton of games. Uh, there are folks who, who do it better. Andrew and Anitra, who we're going to be interviewing, they're fantastic at reviewing games. Um, but this, it was fun to, to give this one a try. And um, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do it. So, All right. Well, thanks for sharing, Michael. Appreciate that. Um, if you like what we're doing, uh, make sure you spread the word about the podcast. Uh, and a reminder to s- sign up for the Discord server if you haven't already. And most importantly, if you have questions or comments and you're not asking them then on the Discord server, email us, email at gameschooler.com. Again, email at gameschooler.com so we can interact with you. And you can follow us on Twitter as well. We're, yes. we're a better follow than we've been in the past. I want to give Doug some kudos <laughs> here. He's been doing some work. We'll see. We'll uh, see. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with that out of the way, let's move on to the game of the week. The Game of the Week! The Game of the Week is an in-depth look at a family-friendly game we think you should try if you get the chance. This week's game is Ice Cool. Doug, give us the stats. All right, Ice Cool, if you're looking for it on Board Game Geek, it is one word. Yeah, no space uh, in no there. No spaces there. Nope. Um, published in 2016 by Brain Games, and the designer is Brian Gomez, which is actually a pseudonym used by four game designers from Latvia that I am not going to try and pronounce, so I will save you that indignity. But the design team of Brian Gomez. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> nailed it. Uh, the art is by Rhinus Petersons. Uh, two to four players, 30 minutes, ages six and up. Board Game Geek says five. They're going to get that yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> Can three definitely, and a half. Three definitely be five. five and up. The complexity is a 1.04 out of five, so barely above patty cake. And <laughs> it was a 2017 Kinderspiel, Kinderspiel de Jahres winner. So that is the prestigious German Game of the Year, the Kids Game of the Year. This Big game won. Ice Cool is a flicking game in which each round, one of the players takes the role of the hall monitor, also called the catcher. Um, the penguins are represented by almost like weebles, weebles wobbles, but they don't fall down, that type of thing. They're a, a little plastic penguin with a ball bearing at the bottom that makes it weighted that you can flick around the, the halls of the school, which are made up of interlocking boxes that are in the main box. So you if take a or penguin nesting met box. a bowling pin. Yes. A bowling pin, you'd have the little 
Yes. So you take these nested boxes out and then create this whole school with different rooms that connect together, and that becomes your game board. Uh, so you take on the role as a hall monitor, and your aim is going to be to catch each other penguin and get points for that. The others, which are the runners, will try to run through several doors and gain fish that give them points on their way. So above several of the doorways in the school, there are fish of your color that when you are a runner, you are trying to go into the different rooms, go under that doorway. If you pass through that doorway, you collect a fish. If you're the hall monitor, you are trying to bump into the other penguins and knock them out of the round. If you do, you collect their student ID, which you will then turn in at the end of the round to collect fish. Uh, the round is going to end when either somebody has got the hall monitor has caught all of the penguins or one of the other penguins has captured all of their fish from the doorways. Um, each player will take turn as the, the hall monitor. So you'll do that once. Um, and then at the end of the round or at the end of the game, the player will with the most points on their fish cards wins the game. And the fish cards come in one, two and three values. So you don't know, what somebody has, which is a great mechanism for younger players where I can go through, you know, and hardcore gamers are going to hate it, but I can go through and, and dominate. But if I collect the whole bunch of ones and my kid got three threes, I may, yeah. may lose to them, which I, I appreciate that, especially with, with younger kids games. Um, the penguins can be flicked in a straight line or you can make curves and even jump over the walls, which is awesome. Uh, each player will have to use the best of their skills in order to get the most points in this fun and exciting game. It's not just cool. It's ice it's cool. It's ice cool. Kind of want that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, I'm not just cool. I'm ice cool. So some of the great things about this game. The gameplay is fast. And the other thing I really like about it is it gets everybody up and moving around the yep. table. Yep. So this is a game that you are not going to sit at the table. You are going to be getting up, moving around. It's the a, interaction's awesome with it. Yeah, it's a great kind of uh, break up the monotony of game night game. I've had fun with playing this with kids, and I've had fun playing it with adults. It gets It's one of those games that can get rowdy and cutthroat with adults yep. and taking it way more serious than the game is intended to. Um, the the so price really point on the game, too. <clears throat> you know, it's always right around $24, $25. Yeah. There's a lot of game in that box, especially with how it comes out of the box with the, the setup. You yeah, know I mean? and it's one that we've wanted to talk about for a long time, but has recently come back into print. So it's kind of hard for... Uh, for a while there to get the trick shots curving around. I mean, there's ways that you can, you can curve a penguin so it can go through two or three rooms at once. Um, I finally was able to figure out jumps, which my kids just go crazy whenever I, I can, I jump into a different how, how, how do you do it? Do you want to share your, it, your trick? It's in the rule book. Actually, it tells you how. So if you want, if you want your penguin to curve, you, Hit it on the side that you want it to curve to. Yep, I get the curve, but how about the jump? You go low, you, right? No, Just high. Like golfing, you go you, high. You flick their head off the ground oh. and it bounces up. Um, and so it, it's pretty cool the way that it works. The other thing that's really neat is that if you have uh, two one-point cards, you yep. can trade those in. Well, you don't trade them in. You still get the points for them, but you can flip them over and show that you have one-pointers to take an additional turn right in a row. 
Um, the game moves fast enough that people aren't really getting upset when they get knocked out. Everybody gets a chance to be the hall monitor. Um, the table presence on this is amazing. Oh, unbelievable. Well, on the theme, how yeah. many games have we described where you are penguins running through schools trying to buy some fish, and, yeah. <laughs> and somebody might take your ID? Yeah. Um, so it's the creativity behind the game uh, was still a fun game. Anytime you get into dexterity games, I think there's a risk of it being very niche. Yeah, uh, and, and Ice Cool is silly. It's fast. Yeah, you can play with with um, you know on a rainy day with kiddos and still ha- have a fun time playing games. Yeah, I think anybody that walks in, especially like if this is set up and my kids walk in, it's like oh yeah, like you are just drawn to it. the The boxes are are white. It looks like a an igloo yep. school. Everything's frozen on the 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 artwork. And it also doesn't suffer from that thing that a lot of dexterity games have when you're talking about like a crokinole or something like where it's like hyper competitive or super skilled like this one. The the variety and the scoring, I think, takes some of those elements out and makes it a little bit more relaxed of a game that I've played a lot of dexterity games. It's like I'm terrible at that whatever dexterity that you're doing in that game. And it's just like, ah. I'm just going to get destroyed, so I'm not really but you're interested. you're a high performer of penguin flicking, correct? Yeah, I think so. I'd like to think so. The, the other nice <laughs> thing about the game, from a dexterity standpoint, I get nervous in a community and school setting. And I think high school, the, the penguins are not going to be bouncing off the walls. You're yeah. not going to hit a jump where it's going to you know, break the smart board. And so it does work in settings other than just somebody's home. Yeah, the only thing to be aware of is depending on how you flick the penguins, it can hurt. Yeah, like, well, your finger. Yeah, yeah it can yeah, hurt yeah. your finger. So uh, you got jokes on you. You got little kids that that can be uh, sometimes an issue. Uh, not to the point where you've got kids running away from the table screaming by all means, but um, it is like, ooh, that that stung a little bit. Um, what else? Oh, the other thing that's kind of interesting. I haven't really explored this, but it's not something that we usually talk about. But in on Board Game Geek, there are a couple of very interesting variants. Oh, for this I don't know game about those. of like, tell us about them. There's there was one I was reading today. There's like somebody had printed out and made like a whole like Olympics scenario <laughs> where you can go through all these different events, and it's oh, just that's like awesome. The sandbox of this game, yeah. Uh, you know, normally that's not something I I look into, but this one really intrigued me. I'm like, I bet there's some good variants that people have put together. So the forums are rich, huh? Yeah, and oh, there was that's cool. There's also Ice Cool too. Now that was the question that I had for yeah. you. I have not played Ice Cool too. So what what's the difference from the first one? And I think from- that there's a little bit more um, kind of special abilities with some of the cards. I think is one, um, and then you can combine them to make like a super school. And there are a couple of variants in that how you play. Like there is one that is just a race around the entire school. Whoever gets back fastest. Yeah, wins. Um, there's a couple of team game, I think, in there. So if you can combine them, there's a lot of different variety and, and scenarios and, and variants that you can play. We've had a high five episode where we talked about gimmicks and favorite gimmicks. And Doug, I got to tell you, this game does uh, one of my favorite gimmicks, and that's where you use the box mm. as the game. Sure, I, I, I love that. To me, there's something about 
opening it up, being like, oh, we are going to play inside this box. And 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 iSchool does that in a very um, cool and I think ingenious like an way. Like an iSchool way? Yeah. Oh, there. I'm glad you said that. That's not my type of joke. So good job. Yeah. Um, I think this is one of those games that has like what I would call a universal fit. Like this is going to fit in a uni- in a after school, a family game night, convention, a gamers game night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if you if you got some buddies and you want to put both of those games together, you're gonna have yeah a, a, a good time. Um, one of those after after some drinks games like this has so many applications that it fits. It's clear from Doug's voice that he loves the game, but I we have another friend of the podcast who also loves this game and plays it with his son, plays it with his daughter, plays it with his wife. And I've heard anybody who gets this game into their collection, um, I hear them talk about it fairly frequently. Yeah. Uh, about Well, playing good games lately, well, I played high school. I had my niece and nephew came over. We, we had an epic battle. It was fun, a lot of fun. Uh, I don't hear that about a lot of other games that have that six-plus uh, number, you know, yeah. and we've reviewed a ton of Haba games have been games of the week that are awesome games, but we'll often talk about a, a ceiling or where this might, you know, phase out at. High school, I have a number of 40 year old dudes who tell me how much fun <laughs> they had playing that game over the weekend. And I think yeah. that says a lot. There, There's not a ceiling to this game, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Well, and you would think, like, okay, here's a game that applies to five or six year olds. I think five's probably a little bit too. My, my, right on the my, edge. My three-year-old cousin yeah. could play it if I showed him. Yeah, probably. He's amazing. Um, <laughs> if I had a three-year-old cousin, there'd be some other problems. But go ahead, Doug. <laughs> the, uh, hey, don't say that. I have a, I have a seven-year-old cousin. Please, not uh, three. Um, close, close. Uh, but So you're talking about, about a, a game for potentially six years old and up that still has some pretty interesting skills in it. Yeah. Um, this is a game that's got goals in which you have a, a clearly defined goal for the round. You're either trying to get through doorways or you're trying to hunt down the other penguins. The idea of self-mastery is in this game, uh, a game that rewards players for learning from previous gameplay experience to become stronger gamers. You can learn how to become better at flicking the penguin. Like, yeah. that is an acquired skill. And most importantly is the resilience. You know, we okay. talked about it last week with Take That. This game is like, oh, shoot, you got hit by the hall monitor. You're out for this round. But we're playing another round, and you're sure. gonna, and then you're gonna be the one that's trying to hit other people, and you know, so it's it's got that because the whole thing is take that, yeah, it's not as bad, yeah, and similar to Fire Tower from our our game last week, you're not sitting out that long. If no. you're sitting, the rounds are quick. I mean, how long is a full round? You know, Five minutes, yeah, ten at minutes. Most, so you're probably sitting out two or three minutes. Yeah, and in that time. You know, what do you do when you're sitting out in a game like this? You're picking a winner and you're picking against somebody else and yeah. you're still involved in the game. Well, and it's okay. So, f- say for example, I'm playing a, a round of this and it's me and, and my three daughters. It's possible that I could knock all three of them out and get three points depending <laughs> on the cards that I get, right? Yeah. But then, like, when Piper, Piper goes through and she gets one of those fish. And I see her grab the fish card and look at it, and she gets this little smile on her face. Like, she just got a three. She just got a card worth three points. So it's like even only by catching one fish, yeah. she's potentially matched my score. Right. So 
that the balance within the game allows all people to play and have a good time. Yes. Yeah. This is a game that's 100% about the journey and the gameplay as much as it is about who the winner is. Yeah. And I like that it balances that line, and I think that's what makes it one of those those games that has that universal fit where if I'm playing with a bunch of my gaming buddies as adults, it's like, we're going to have a good time. We're going to laugh. Nobody's going to take it too seriously. But I can also go to all the way down to, to six and seven-year-olds, and people are going to have fun because they felt like they were competitive, even if they didn't get all the mechanisms right of, of dominating type of thing. Yeah, the one thing that I want to note that's in the forums on Board Game Geek, which I usually don't care about, but Doug has done an excellent job and of several episodes running of just bringing some of the critiques that are out there. And this could or could not be true. Okay, so take it for what it's worth. But different versions may flick differently because <laughs> of where they're produced. Mm. And the word that's thrown around often in the forums is the ballast. <laughs> and so I don't... I don't know. I've only I played with Doug's version. The penguins flick great. I can't imagine that if I went out tomorrow and bought another version on Amazon or Target.com, not that I would buy on Amazon, but the price is great, man. $24. I almost bought on Amazon during the segment. Um, that my penguins wouldn't flick. So I just want to put Are, that is out. It, is it that they're not flicking or they're not flicking the way that they think that they should? I, I, I don't know. Okay. In, the, in the version or in the forum, in multiple places, there was talks about the 2017 version could be different from the newer version because of how the penguins look and how they flick. So, Yeah, take, I think that would be a situation if, of if you have played a – to me, that sounds like people being like on the competitive. Like, if you're that hyper competitive, that well, I'm accustomed to my penguins flicking yeah. this way, and I've played this new version, and they don't flick exactly the same way. I think if you get a new copy right now, you're not going to know any different right. anyway. So, what difference does it that, make? That's yeah. my point. But yeah. I think put it if out that's there. the biggest critique of the game. That's saying something, right? Yeah. That yeah. some versions may flick better than other versions of the Kinderspiel <laughs> award-winning yes, game. Yeah. The kids game of the year, folks. Yes. <laughs> so anything else before we wrap up? No, great game, man. All right. So that's our game of the week, Ice Cool. Give it a try if you get the chance. A great convention game. If you happen to see that in a, a gaming library, don't be afraid to. That's one that you can pull off the shelf and get rolling and playing almost immediately with a very little rules teach and, yep. and uptime. That, that's one where somebody, as somebody is building the, the board, the other person can get reading the rules and you will both be done at the same time. So give it a try if you get a chance. That's Ice Cool from Brain Games. Uh, now let's move on to the School of Gaming. The School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming. This week, we'll be discussing what is more important, gamer credibility or sales. <laughs> I, always, I always like when Adam Sandler makes an appearance for the introduction to the, yeah, to the, he had a the big School of impact, Gaming. He had a big impact <laughs> on my youth, man. Um, so, so this is an interesting uh, topic Joe. <laughs> on the idea of so being around board game geek uh, 
there's this idea of some games being better than others just based on kind of gamer credibility, right? It's like, yep. this is a gamer's game. This is a stupid retail big box game that is for whatever. And it, it occurred to me that there's this kind of juxtaposition of what's better, having a game that 10,000 people adore and think is great, or a game that has sold millions of copies, yeah. which one group would say is pure trash and garbage, and the other one is like, yeah, but we made a whole bunch of money, and we wouldn't sell millions of copies of this game if people weren't having some sort of fun with it, right? Sure. Um, it led me down this interesting rabbit hole, and imagining this, it, it I didn't know where exactly to put this, but I think this is the right segment for it. So I went to <laughs> Board Game Geek, and I'm imagining myself as I'm a new gamer, okay? And so where am I going to go? It's like, what are the top games of all time? In the top 50 games, currently, as of the recording of this episode, how many games, without looking at them, do you think a top 50 have a two a complexity of 2.5 or less? Three. Correct answer is four. Oh, man, it's close. So, I, I, I thought it'd be about 6%. So Okay. How many of them, there are, there are eight that are 2.5 and above. Okay, the, the, uh, the only, there is one on the edge, which is Wingspan, yeah. which is a 2.45. Today it's two point four five. So, so yeah. it falls down into that lower category. Out of the fifty games, best games of all time, according to Board Game Geek, thirty-eight of them have a complexity rating of above three. Yep. And I bet if you took those games and took their sales and added their sales figures together, they would not equal wingspan. That's just no, my, and, my yeah, hunch. and that's a, yeah, that's the thing. I said only a handful of those are probably close to a million copies sold. Yeah. Now to give you a concept of of what we're talking about is that you know Michael said that I think Wingspan is about a, a million sold, and I think a fifty thousand dollar print run or fifty thousand copy print run by gamer standards is pretty good. Here's some other numbers for you. Phase ten has hold, sold 62 million copies as of 2016. Uno has sold 151 million copies. Monopoly, 275 million. Checkers, 50 billion, with a B. Chess sells 3 million copies a year. Mm -hmm. So the highest one on the list that is a gamer game is Catan, with 32 million copies sold, which is more than Risk, Strategy, and Connect 4. But out of the top 20 games, I think it was a list of 20 games sold of all time, Catan was the only gamer game. Interesting. And, and Catan is less than Phase 10. Now, gamers would say Catan is infinite. First of all, gamers rag on Catan as a, well, as a Catan disaster. Is controversial, yeah, among yeah, the gamer crowd as, that as we're if, talking as about. As if it's, yeah. it's jumped the shark into the area of Phase 10 or Monopoly, right? It's, it, it has that bad yeah. connotation among gamers. 
but then I'm thinking to myself, it's the idea of, of almost a little bit of disappointment of the discrediting. Like, yes, I is Phase Ten my favorite game? No. But if 62 million people have bought that game, why, why would they keep buying it if people are not getting enjoyment out of it? Sure. Like, certainly kids and people have played it as kids, and then they want to pass that on to their kids, and they play it. And I guess, why is there a, a, a looking down on those games that are providing fun family experiences because they're not, quote, gamer games? Yeah, I. so getting back to the credibility or sales and that or statement, where where are you going with that state that question that you just asked? I guess my question is the idea of is it more important like and maybe that's the wrong phrasing of is it more important but which is more valuable? It's like yes from a monetary point if if I'm a business publisher it's like yes I want to sell 152 million copies of a game. Yeah. It's done yeah, its job. No kidding. But people are not selling 152 million copies of a game that nobody wants to buy or play. Yeah. And so I think that there's this emphasis on gamer cred and that you've you've made this gamers game and that like that's a big accomplishment. And gamers kind of thumb their nose at the games that sell a lot, almost as if they've abandoned the community, right? Like, like you've you've abandoned the community wingspan because you've sold a million copies. You're, and you're too not, successful. You're not one of yeah. us anymore. Yeah, and um, you know, wingspan the the number is 1.4 million as of April of 2022. So it's probably approaching two million, right? Because that that's over a, a year ago. Um, and you and I had this conversation at one point in time off air as well. Wingspan Asia, I think, is a fantastic expansion that plays well solo, plays well two-player, adds a fifth and sixth player to to the base game, which who would ever want to do that? But just, just a great design that went under the radar, that barely got any any publicity once it came out. And I think that's being a victim of its own success, Yeah, which that does happen in the hobby. A yeah. game will become almost too successful and then it gets dismissed because of its success. Yeah, like if I think about Catan and Ticket to Ride, I think Wingspan is on its way. That sounds like of, a great day of playing games, right? Of, of, of being, uh, <laughs> gamers being disenchanted with them because it's, it's almost like this barricade of, well, we want a game to be successful, but not too successful to the point that it starts showing up at dollar stores. So it's almost like this gate yeah. on the on the community that just kind of boggles my mind and drives me nuts, where it's like, yes, the, the singing salmon that people hung on a wall was very popular and sold a bunch of them, but people aren't still buying them. Like that went away. I hate that thing, man. Billy Bass. Billy Bass. <laughs> you know, so it's like, Take me to the boat. So it's like when we're talking about 151 million copies of Uno sold, and it's still on the shelf in every store that I could go to right now, that's not a fad that just came and became popular and disappeared, right? I played a lot of Uno this last weekend with my nieces and nephews, and they play it by the rule. That game took forever. 
Um, no, I, I think you're spot on. The other thing, this is an area that I, and, and please don't take this the wrong way, Doug. I mean this as a compliment, which anytime someone <laughs> says that, you know you're about to be disrespected in a backhanded way. But it's, this is an area that I think you are more sensitive and more attuned to because of when you came into the hobby. You came into that hobby with 10 toes in uh, about a good six or seven years before I did. So at the time when you came into the hobby, those barriers really weren't there in a lot of the areas. Yeah. And so I'm not as attuned to it. So where do I go to? I, I go to other places. You know, next week we'll be interviewing the family gamers. I th- Their reviews do a lot. I listen to Board Game Barrage for some of those gamer games on the other end and then go to board game geek to kind of just see what's coming new and as a database but i can't imagine if i would have come in at the same era that you did where there weren't those that level of snark and dismissiveness yeah uh yeah that'd, well, that'd be tough when, when i there was no like i would love i don't know if it's possible but I, and i gotta research this but it's like i would love to see what the board game geek top 50 was when I got into the hobby. Oh, you can find that. You can find that to the day. Somebody has curated that. Because I have a really hard time believing that the complexity was that high, where it's like Catan may have been hovering by at like 42, but it wasn't, you know, it it was up there. Like those type of games... Like Ticket to Ride might have been in the top ten. Dominion was yeah was a high game on there that have all but disappeared. And I just I, I just feel like there's people chasing this idea of gamer credibility as opposed to sales being yeah. uh, uh, almost a disqualifier, right? And I don't know for whatever whatever that's worth, whether it's it's disappointment, but I just feel like the idea of being more open to people liking what they like. Sure. And who cares? Like, like I said, fads come and go. 151 million copies. People are enjoying it. My yeah. kids have played Uno and they like it. The yeah. rules are simple to learn. It's not, you know, not every game needs to be a sit down, melt your brain type of thing and it just seems like the loudest voices on board game geek and reviewers and community seem to be in that world yeah and i think we had an experience uh, a little over a year ago we were at a friendly local game store noble night and we were teaching point salad and we were representing the game schooler podcast so we were teaching point salad and similo and i think both of us expected that people would really be immersed in the hotness and playing the latest and greatest and that that just wasn't happening, was it? Yeah. I mean, the the people that were coming to that event to play games, uh, to celebrate, I think it was the 25th anniversary of the store, there was such a variety of of of, of gamers. Well, and yeah. that's something that I don't think is currently reflected in a lot of places. That you do have, you know, some couples who are in their 20s and 30s and they're just going to go through the entire Arkham Horror but then you have some families of games who are playing all of the different types of things that we're reviewing on yeah. a weekly basis. Yeah, there's a whole group of people that were playing classic games and and games that you're like, oh, you're not up with the, the hottest game that had come out. And 
which was Ark Nova at the time. And it, in addition, had never heard of Point Salad or Similo. Yeah. It was like a brand new thing, and it was a game that had already been out for two or three years, and it's like they're just not being exposed to that. And I think sometimes it's because that that heavy gamer cred barrier on the front is yeah. not letting people get through to the next level game that they would that that graduation above from Uno, you know. But I, I think you're spot on with that. And that's what I wanted to share to our listeners because I can imagine if somebody's listening to our school of gaming segments, this is not snark, this is not cynicism. It's that as we have gotten out and about over the last few years and are meeting uh, gamers of all different types, it doesn't necessarily reflect the hotness. Yeah, it, it, it really is a more varied than what's on that landing page of Board Game Geek that is yeah. designed to change so we go out and consume and buy. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, hopefully that's been interesting for you, at least at the, the very least, some of those stats of, of the games that are held in such disdain on Board Game Geek, how many copies they've actually sold. Um, so let's move on to... Uh, our fanciest games, Michael. Oh yeah, great segue. We, we go ahead. We'll go from. We're the, going to talk out of the other end of our mouth. Yes, now. <laughs> we're going to go from the cheapest big box games to the most uh, decadent, oh, <laughs> exquisite games we own. <laughs> All right. If you're anything like us, you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out. This week, we're going to talk about our fanciest games in our collection. Ching ching. Um, so this was the idea of, okay, so what are the most super deluxe, fanciest games that we own? Um, we could do another list down the line of just kind of basic games that the production just seems like a wow factor. That's a good idea. You should write that down. Um, but this is going to be, um, spoiler alert, I I think I mentioned earlier in the episode, I got Castles of Burgundy, the special edition, yep. which prompted the idea for this list. Yep. Although that is not on my list. It's on mine, and it's number five, and it hasn't even arrived at my house yet. Oh, what a segue. And because I have the Sundrop version with the acrylic tiles. Oh, look at this guy. Do you hear that money leaving my house? Um, But yeah, that's number five for me, Castles of Burgundy. I own the 20th anniversary, um, and I have just love that game and the special edition i figured if i'm going in on the special edition i might as well get some sun drop on that and um and which i'm going to let doug explain to our listeners what i mean by sun drop because i don't even know what it just means i don't need to paint it um, it's, a, it's a fancy black wash that goes into the crevices of the miniature yeah. so it looks more <laughs> detailed it's a dip it's and a dip. uh yeah. and then the acrylic Pieces. I, I got those two, so they will clank uh, together. Mr. Fancy Pants. Yeah, so I that's didn't even number that. five for me for fanciest game. That's, that's why mine's not fancy enough. It, <laughs> I didn't get the Stop. acrylic. What do you have? Uh, my number five is Ticket to Ride Europe, the 15th anniversary. Uh, this came out in 2021, Days of Wonder, Alan R. Moon. The map is gigantic, and all of the uh, train pieces, which in the original game are just kind of little chintzy trains these are like detailed miniatures and each player has a different train style and they are in their own mentos yeah they they all come in their own tin (laughs) and it is gorgeous and every one of the games on my list are ones that i 
am more excited about the game when I'm playing that. Like, it just adds a whole nother level of like fancy, fancy. <laughs> like, yeah. did our daughters do that? Wasn't yeah. that a thing? Fancy, fancy. 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 Um, and so, yeah, Ticket to Ride Europe, the 15th anniversary edition. On my honorable mention, could have easily made my list. Well, you didn't get the acrylic tiles, probably. <laughs> the same version you do, and it's gorgeous. Not fancy enough uh, for Michael. No, I just I haven't actually played it with my family oh, yet. Yeah. I'm a little embarrassed to say, Doug. Okay, that's why it's on my okay, honorable mention. Okay. It, it, right. it is gorgeous. Number four, I have also not played with my family, but I've played a ton solo, and that's Dwellings of Eldervale. And this uh, 2020 release, designer is Luke Laurie. Um, just an outs- outstanding game that Breaking Games published. I have the measly second printing standard edition, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what's so fancy about that? Because then I doubled down and I bought the legendary expansion and deluxe uh, ex- a- expansion that both will fit in this box. And so in the next couple months, when they get delivered, when the monsters move around, in Eldervale, they'll have sound effects. Roar. It's it is a cool game. I love it. Um, I haven't actually played it with any other humans other than myself yet. I've only played it solo. Man, do I feel like a fool saying these <laughs> things out loud. Uh, it is one I know I'll play with my kiddos eventually. That potential is huge because it it was a. Uh, my game of the month back in, I think, February or so, and I played a lot of it. Michael refuses um, to play any game with me unless the miniatures are sun-dropped. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the the upgrades in this, the, the standard game, folks, if you just have the standard game, it feels fancy. But then when you add like the, the cardboard tokens, which I think are awesome, um, are then wooden in, in one of the upgrades. And then you got the metal coins clanking around. Uh, the other thing that's cool about Dwellings of Eldervale, which I noticed other games are starting to do, but each player, um, you play out of the tray. Mm. And uh, this was one of the first games to actually do that. Um, really colorblind friendly as well. Um, it, it, it's a, a cool game for that I enjoy, and I hope to get others involved in over the next few years as well. All right. My number four is probably going to be higher on Michael's list because I think his edition is a little bit fancier than mine <laughs> uh, because I think he got all the boat <laughs> character, the boat containers that, that my edition doesn't have. My number four is Everdell, the Complete Collection, published in 2022 by Starling Games. Um, this has every expansion. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing so hard. I'm crying. Uh, it has every expansion in it and uh, fancy wooden components for every it's animal critter it's gigantic it i need to put a separate section onto the the game room to fit it no person needs it but boy am i glad i have it exactly yeah it, it it's 20 pounds folks the, the, the ever tree is wood the the great thing about this game is the freak out that people had because the box corner split i mean universally when this got delivered and people opened it up one of the corners was split and my thing is, it's 20 pounds. <laughs> of course the corner is going to be split. Yeah. It's 20 pounds in a box. Well, I would have paid an extra $200 <laughs> for a wooden box to keep it secure. <laughs> Maybe Walt will build that. Yeah, I'll get build him that. on that, yeah. Yeah, we're getting a little loopy. It was going to be one at my list, but I promised myself no crossover, so I'm going to sub in another game at one. Oh, no, you're lying. 
No, I'm not yeah, lying. You I'm leave it on... at one. That's what it is well, to you. Um, anything else to say on Everdell Complete Collection? No, I'll let you talk about it when you All get right. to it. Oh, awesome game. Maybe I'll keep it at one. Number three for me is uh, Wonderland's War. And Wonderland's War, I, I just need to get a little organized here. Uh, 2022 release, designer Tim Eisner, Ben Eisner, and Ian Moss. And then the art is Manny Trembley. Uh, Druid City Games published this, and Skybound Games also helped to get get it out somewhat. Um, it's an Alice in Wonderland theme game, which eh, I could take or leave the theme until I play this game. And the the board is massive. It's going to take up whatever table you're playing on. You're playing on a ping pong table. It's going to take up the whole mm-hmm. table. Uh, but there's two different phases to Wonderland's War. The first phase, you're at a tea party. And when you're going around the table at the tea party, you are collecting cards and um, and getting chips that you then put into your bag that you're going to use in the battle phase. So there's some area control uh, to it as well. A game that I, I'm actually looking forward to the expansion that's coming out because it will have a solo variant built into the expansion. Um, but it, it, it can run long. Um, it's a game that my daughter and I, my oldest, play over a series of days uh, because there are rounds in the game. So it's, a, hey, you want to play a round tonight? And then we'll leave it set up and we'll come back to it a week later, not a day later, uh, and keep the game going. But uh, awesome game. There's a, a, a second uh, printing with a, a small expansion that will be coming out soon. So if you weren't able to get it, I do have the deluxe version with all the chips and all that. That's why it's fancy for me. But folks, I'm going to tell you, I don't think that's necessary. The 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 retail, the base retail, it, it's it's pretty fancy and unbelievable as well. Uh, so that's my number three is Wonderland's War. All right, my number three. I wonder if this will be on your list. I'm not sure. This is the only game on my list that is not a uh, a special edition of a game. So everything else on my list is something that's either an anniversary edition or something that's specifically fancy. This is the only game I put on my list that is not a special edition, and that's my father's work. Mm. This is uh, 2022 by Renegade Game Studio. Uh, The designer is T.C. Petty, and you are playing over three generations, um, taking over for your father's work as a mad scientist. So you build up. You're trying to to collect things around town to complete your master master work that you're working on the whole game, and then at the end of a generation, it kind of resets a little bit. You get some of the information from your father, and you start all over again. It's got a narrative element to the story. Um, there's a it, it, thematically, it's so well done. Where the idea of like, oh, I need bodies for my experiment, so I need to go to the graveyard. Except then you gain creepiness. Yeah, and you you know, and the townspeople are very suspect of you. You can only send certain people into town at that point, and you can you you can't let your your spouse or some of your servants do any of your experiments because then they get freaked out. So you got to have like your main henchmen. Thematically awesome. What makes it fancy is the components of this game are like there's little glass vials that are. Completely like, empty and gorgeous. The the potions <laughs> and the animal tokens are are awesome. Everything about it just seems it's fancy. Fancy. Can I, I add in one other thing yeah. that makes it fancy for me? The narrator is Ben Maddox, who does five games for Doomsday, 
which will absolutely get a Golden Geek at some point for best podcast. And he, wonderful English accent, so his IQ automatically goes up plus 10, right? But just does an amazing job of voice acting as well. So the app yeah. gives it a fancy feel, which I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but with yeah. the, the overall production, that Tom Petty the second is that third, right? Third, yeah. Third, uh, TC Petty, not TC Tom Petty. Yeah. Sorry, sorry Tom TC. Um, just a, a really well, I don't know what the T stands game. for. It could right. be, could be. I don't know, but um, but yeah, the the and the miniatures that you put out, they I believe they're sun drop. Ooh. Uh, right out of my the version or your version? Probably just Michael's. <laughs> so that's my number three, my father's work. Oh, that's good stuff. This next one's going to shock Doug because it shocked me. I, I picked this game up in a trade. Is uh, it Reiner Because game? it is not. It, it's Martin Wallace. It was, uh, it was and is and continues to be the number one ranked game of mm. all time on Board Game Geek, and that's Brass Birmingham. Uh, and when, and when I, unboxed the game i noticed oh this is the roxley deluxe edition that the guy sent me and then when i unboxed the game of the deluxe edition i love roxley love dice throne love all things that they do their production quality is unbelievable it had the iron clays in the game and my whole house was shocked like dead you you got that in a trade yeah and you didn't know that's a version you were getting no, I had no way of the guy didn't tell me. I thought I was just getting the retail version. And the iron clays, they're they're like really nice poker chips. And they just make this wonderful clink, click, 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 click. And we have used the iron clays in other games that are designed by Reiner Kinizia, <laughs> like Llama. So we've subbed in the components from Brass Birmingham uh into other games that we play in the house to the point where when uh, my oldest goes to a sleepover, will let me know, like, uh, Dad, I'm, I'm going to take the Iron Clays. Okay, just make sure that they get back yeah, into Brass you, Birmingham safely. That's gotta, where you know a game is fancy, where kids are opening up, taking components, checking out with Dad, checking the components like back a car, in like a I'm a car bad library. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's my, my number two uh, for fancy. That's Brass Birmingham Roxley Deluxe with Iron Clays. Sounds like the game that makes any game fancy. <laughs> Boy, no kidding. Uh, my number two is Pandemic, the 10th Anniversary Edition. This came mm. out in 2018 by Z-Man Games. And the uh, game is housed in what appears to be a medical first aid kit that you put on the wall. And it's got sun drop miniatures the uh, disease cubes all come in little Petri dishes yeah. that have fancy sticker labels on the front of them. And it just looks... It's fancy. A night. It just... One of those things where it's like, I like Pandemic anyway, and this just makes it feel super special. Anytime you're you're playing with that version, it's like, yes, this is the definitive version. And... Uh, the rare game that I guess would come in a tin that I enjoy. Yeah. It yeah. comes there in a metal go. box, but they like, nailed it. It's a display piece. It sits, it has a prominent spot in my game room, fits right under the little TV. It's been there the whole time. And I, I love that version pandemic, the 10th anniversary edition. Can you confirm that the wall that it sits along was designed to match the game? Or is that just a happy coincidence? <laughs> it's just a happy accident. Okay. Wonderful. Would you mind going with your number one? Yes. I, I assume this would be, at this point, you could probably pivot to it as well, but mine is the Catan yeah. the 3D edition. Yeah. Uh, published in 2021 by Catan Studios. Um, 
and it is a full 3D edition of the game in which... So the original game, one of the reasons I love this game from a functionality standpoint is my copy of Catan, my original copy of Catan, and every copy of Catan I've had since, the cardboard version always warps. It gets beat up. And I can never fit the water pieces on the outside without all of the inner tile island pieces fitting in well. Yes. And so this 3D version will never have that issue. Well, and the trays that hold the cards and all the other just wonderful little pieces. Yeah. If this doesn't scream fancy, yeah. what does? It's got the 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 mountains are elevated. There's little there are little sheep on the Yep, the the fields and just a, a phenomenal production and quite frankly for the amount of I, I think it's dropped down in price quite a bit. It's from, a little spendy. Did I, you paint the 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 family? Did you paint? No, the, I've, you I have not painted, painted anything. Yet? But my point was is yes, this is a is an expensive version of this game. However, based on the amount of Kickstarters that are coming out and what yeah, people yeah, are yeah. spending, it's not as crazy as it once was. Like $200 is suddenly no longer completely insane for, price. for a price yes. point for a game. That's where games are at. I mean, you do have games that are routinely touching $450 to $550. which On Kickstarter, w- yeah. W- which is insane. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So, all right, what's your number one? Well, my number one is Everdell Complete Collection. I did have Catan uh, 3D ready to sub in for Wonderland's War. I didn't know where I was going to go on that. But if I'm being true to my list, as I had it prepped, my number one for Fanciest is that Everdell Complete Collection. There's something about... The the Andrew Bosley art is already beautiful. Yeah. But when you get those metal coins clanking alongside the blueberries with the, the, the sticks, and then you have five expansions in there and i should have done the research before coming in but i'm pretty sure there's five expansions in four there. at least four at least but i think there's five i think there's two in yeah there. um and they're incredible i mean belfair and pearlbrook uh i hadn't actually played those before i got the complete collection and going through those and playing some of those with some of my family members and then just talking about it with the game group and be like no guys this these are real deal games that are outstanding. That's that's my number one for fancy. Um, even with my split corner, which I, I don't hide, I'm kind of proud of. I haven't glued it yet because there's 20 pounds in the box. So you've stuff. got a. It's probably the <laughs> the token trays that put it over the edge. Yeah, yeah. Because you also have the metal coins and don't have the split corner. But though, yeah, the, but I don't have the token the, trace. <laughs> Go ahead, explain what add-on I got that you thought was completely ridiculous. No, I don't think it's ridiculous. <laughs> I just know that you you got it right. Yeah, it's I a, got the little. There are little containers that hold the the resources, the, the resources in there because it's supposed to help for setup time. But it was a complete hoax. They could go in a plastic tray. <laughs> and it was a waste split, of twenty five dollars. It split my corner. <laughs> Any honorable mention? Uh, I have some, but I'm going to save them because I I think the the list of Amazing production games for non-collector's edition. So like I said, everyone except for my father's work on my list anyway were were all collect uh, collector's editions or yeah. complete editions. So I think there is also a list for phenomenal productions for base retail games. 
somewhere down the line, maybe we'll do a high five on that. Then I'll do my four honorable mention right now so you can continue to chide and get, get in some good good uh, body hits here. Uh, Thunder Road Vendetta oh. Maximum Chrome. It made honorable mention because I haven't actually played now, it There yet. is a game that I'm surprised is not on your list. Foundations of Rome. Yes. How is that not <laughs> on your list? I didn't I didn't feel like getting made fun of a whole lot. And and I know that um I uh, speaking of two hundred dollar games. Yeah. I, I it's not the fanciest. It, it, it's big. Don't get me wrong, but it's still kind of a straightforward game. I mean, I know it takes up a whole calyx, but these other games are fancier in my mind. <laughs> Okay. I know, I know. It's a lot of things, yeah. but Foundations of Rome isn't that fancy. Even yeah. with the sun drop, even with being all in, even with taking up a full Calyx cube, it's still just a solid game in my mind. But that's my mind. It's a little warped. A game that is fancy that's honorable mention for me is Darwin's Journey, the deluxe edition. It's got these little rubber seals. Um, the game is that a would di- be like a seal for an envelope, <laughs> folks. Not, not the animal a seal. <laughs> right. The game is a disaster to try to teach, but a wonderful little worker placement that's not little. Um, that that the production quality I think is pretty darn fancy. Of you mentioned Catan 3D, and then finally um, one that I know Doug's going to laugh and chuckle at, and I hope I get to the table because I'm planning on teaching it at Game Holcon, and this is. Hegemony Extended Edition, which is a game all about vying for uh, power. And there are metal coins in there. Everything, the production quality is just screams fancy. But again, I haven't played that yet. Um, the weight on that is pretty extreme. I'm, I'm carving out six weeks of my life to solo play it and get the rules um, all typed up in my own speak so that I can teach that at our friendly local convention here in October. Those are my honorable mentions, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay, well, those are our fanciest games. Um, not sure how to segue out of that one. But if you like what we're doing, subscribe to the podcast, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at uh, GameSchoolerU. Next week, we're going to be talking about Acropolis. We're going to be interviewing the Family Gamers podcast, and we are going to talk about some games that we wish had different themes. Thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. Now get out there and keep gaming. Keep gaming.